Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Conducting Business, the show where I bring together leaders from the music world, mainly conductors, and leaders from the corporate world. And we look at the similarities and the differences between leadership styles and hopefully cross-pollinate some ideas as well. My name is Adam Brockway. I come to this with two hats on, I guess. Firstly, as a conductor, I'm the musical director of Naya Chorale, uh, but I've also spent some time in IT consulting and as an executive director of corporate services for an international not-for-profit. The current plan is to do just four or five episodes of this show, uh, topics that I have spent a lot of time thinking about and I'm quite passionate about. And so I'm going to sit down with uh, some really interesting and intelligent people um, and hash those out and explore them. Uh, we will look at everything from setting and holding a vision uh, in whatever context it is that you're leading, musical or corporate, uh, to uh, learning methods and reflection. Uh, to, I think, a really interesting and controversial one will be the, the committee versus the benevolent dictatorship um, style um, and the, the pros and cons of each and how do you find the balance. But this first episode is all about firsts, uh, whether that be first rehearsal with a new group of singers, first day of leading a week-long training program with a big group of people, uh, first day leading a new team in a new company. We're going to hear from our panelists about why those firsts are so important and specifically what their goals or objectives are for those first times and how they go about achieving those goals. I was honored to be joined by three fantastic people for this first episode, Sulin Chong, Rosina Harvey Keeping and Raymond Yong. Su Lin is a choral conductor uh, and a music teacher at Hale School here in Perth, Western Australia. She brings a heap of energy to everything she does, whether that be in the classroom, in the rehearsal room, or, uh, or here on this show. Uh, she also clearly puts a lot of thought into the purpose behind everything she does, a real pedagogue in that regard. Rosina joined us all the way from Newfoundland in Canada. Uh, she began her career as a social worker uh, in child protection, working with children and families. Uh, she's now a trainer and consultant in the Signs of Safety approach and is also the regional director for Signs of Safety in Canada. I worked with Rosina for about three years and it was always fascinating having leadership conversations with her um, and that she's done a lot of thinking about the first time that you work with, whether it's a large group or a small group, whether it's a big training group or a small team of executives and really getting them clear on vision and purpose and what is it we're aiming for and, and how are we going to get there. Um, and she brought all of that to the discussion that we had. Raymond worked in the finance sector for a number of years in his career um, as a state manager. I worked for the Bank of Singapore for a while. Um, and in the later part of his career, uh, worked for a not-for-profit um, as the CEO, uh, taking them through a complete rebrand and, and big time of expansion. Um, it was great to talk to Raymond about how the focus of his first days in a new environment are often about connecting with 
with his team um, and how he goes about that. <laughs> okay, so for our for our viewers, I think it's probably important for us to set some context about being choir directors, and especially okay. in the contexts that you and I work. So you in a school sure. context, and, mm -hmm. and me with a um, an auditioned choir where we do auditions every year. Yeah. So we have new waves of students come in, or new waves of singers come in every. It might be mostly it's year, mm -hmm. I guess, but mm -hmm. um, but you know season or whatever you want want to call it. So we've kind of got these new groups of people to kind of induct into mm -hmm. our um, tribe, I guess, mm -hmm. for, for one of mm -hmm. a better phrase. Um, so for you, when thinking about going into that first rehearsal with insert choir here, why is that first rehearsal with that particular group of singers so important, mm -hmm. the first rehearsal? I think the first rehearsal is absolutely critical. And actually, I think the preparation to the first rehearsal is actually really critical as well. Um, and I think you can sort of pop that into two, two, two camps here. You've got the operational side, I think, mm -hmm. and then you've got the strategic side as well, haven't you? So operationally, your preparation to that first rehearsal, I think, is absolutely critical. You know, getting your repertoire absolutely right um, you know even you know if you know the people that are going to be there perhaps a placement of the uh, of, of where they're standing or singing from that kind of stuff um, getting the you know the the number of um, tenors correct as as opposed to the, the bases as well so getting the balance mm -hmm. correct there yeah. as well so I think if you can prepare that well and perhaps even start communicating with the students um, beforehand, getting them excited, hey, check this out, this is what we're going to be doing, this is what, this is the piece that we're going to be doing, listen to this first before you come to your first rehearsal. So I think that first, that preparation and starting that connection is really, really important to start with. Um, and then come the first rehearsal. There are three things I think for me that I can you know categorize um, first thing for me is connection mm -hmm. and I think it almost sounds cliche doesn't it everyone says connection <laughs> we love to throw it around you know? <laughs> what does it actually mean well for me it's about well obviously connecting with the students but letting the students know that you know what I see you 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 really matter in this group and you belong here um, I think that is key because Kids, year two all the way to year 12, they want to feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that is really, really important. So, And even beyond year 12, I mean, oh, in the community context as well, I mean, absolutely. people come back to singing, you know, they've been an engineer, they're a doctor, they're a whatever. They come back because they want Correct. to be with their, their people. You know, there's, there's a sense of community there and that connection is really important. Absolutely. It's, a, it's the tribe. You, you know, mm. you're, you're absolutely right in using that word. I use the word team. Um, because, I mean, and I'm part of the team. Mm -hmm. So as, as a conductor, I don't feel like, you know, I'm... Yes, of course, there's a bit of in charge, especially in a school context. But I'm part of your team. This is your choir, boys. So I want them to feel an ownership of that to start off with as well. Mm -hmm. So going back to that connection, feeling be belonging, um, how do you do that? You know, how do you set that off in that first rehearsal? And for me, there's probably a few little um, things. Can I, can I just go, because specifically around first rehearsal, so why is it that, you know, because belonging, one maybe could argue that it's something that has to happen over a long period, you know, or it's something got to be sustained yep. and nurtured. What is it about belonging, for example, in the first rehearsal? Mm -hmm. Why is that so important? 
Mm, that's a really, really good question. Because you want them to feel like, ah, I have a place in this team, mm -hmm. and so therefore I'm valued here. Mm -hmm. I need to come back right. for the next rehearsal. Right, yeah, and then after that, right. what's, I need to come I, back. I need to come and back, so... and because I'm contributing in this way, yeah. what I contribute is really important. So if I'm not there, I, I'm, I'm not helping and not contributing to that. that. So that, that for you is, a, I guess, a strategy for uh, membership and commitment and everything from like learning your notes and words to attendance to, um, well, connect the whole kit. Absol yeah. Absolutely. So taking an ownership of what we're doing together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So once you've got that, um, you can get them to do anything. I think once you've built that relationship, mm. you've built that connection, um, they're hanging off your every word and they want to be there um and i think once you've got that it's it's fantastic and it's mm -hmm. symbiotic but it's got to be respectful as well so they've got to understand that i'm going to contribute to to this group as well yeah i'm a hundred percent there so i think that's that's really key some of the ways i think is really important in the way i do this is sometimes it depends on the size of the choir i would literally stand at, at the, the door coming in, mm -hmm. high five, handshake, hi, how was your day? I think that's really important. You're making yourself really known to Make them from the moment correct. they're in the room. I know, yeah. I've noticed that you've come into this room because how many times have you seen a choir director, you know, standing behind the, you know, at the piano or behind the, the, the stand and just waiting for kids to come in? Mm. Um, I think it's really important for you to get out from behind the stand or behind the piano and actually just engage with, with the, the kids mm. because you're part of the group. Um, I think that's really key. I think the warm-up, I'm a real fan of doing warm-up in a big circle. Yep. Because yep. when you're in the circle, there's no second line. There's, uh, there's no corners. You can't hide in the corners. You're part of this group. I'm part of your group as well. So if I if I had more time and, and uh, energy and money, I would have <laughs> we would have had footage actually of Sulin's warm-ups that she did them with Naya. Um, this is like six seven months ago before COVID now, but um, we were like drawing the alphabet with our hips and all kinds of <laughs> wacky stuff. It was um, that it was. I mean, talk about connection. That yep. was just like, and that was that was your first rehearsal with us as yes, well. Yes, yes, that's. And right. you just pull out all this wacky stuff, and everyone was like, okay. This is Sue Lin. Got it. <laughs> okay. And I think you need to establish that. And you, you need to be vulnerable as well. Mm. I think this is me. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. Buy into it. Let's yeah. go. We're doing this together. I'm going to do it with you. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I think that's really important. So the circle thing for me um, is really, really great way of getting that sense of belonging mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, all the little strategies that you use within that warm up is really key as well. Um, so just to recap, so we've, we've talked about, you know, we've uh, broken it down into kind of preparation being really important, yep. operational and, and, and strategic. Yep. Uh, connection kind of being that, that first focus for you in, you know, in a rehearsal yep. um, and kind of doing that, uh, doing that through like basically just making yourself available to, to people as mm -hmm. they, as mm -hmm. they come in. Mm. Um, what, 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 Apart from connection, what are your other objectives that you're trying so to So the, the other little thing for me in that first rehearsal and all rehearsals after that is less talking, more doing. Mm, love it. <laughs> I mean, Tell I, that to me I, again. honestly, <laughs> less talking. People come to choir <laughs> rehearsal because they want to sing, yeah. not to listen to you talk. Yeah. 
Um, so any way that you can demonstrate or show mm. um, rather than explain with words uh, and ask them, be able to draw it out of them it is so much better. Mm than talking at them. And this might be going, this might be going down the, the, the choir uh, nerd route for a sec, but kind of forgive us here. Um, so how would you go, when let's say you've got, um, let's say you're in uh, warm-ups, because yeah. this is pretty much kind of the first part of the rehearsal, and you're wanting to get that less talking, more singing thing going, mm -hmm. how might you do that within the warm-up context to get as much happening as possible? Absolutely. Do, do, do. So, for example, like the alphabet hip thing, there's every, every warm-up activity you do has a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. They may not see it mm -hmm. because it's fun or it's active and so on, but every warm-up has a purpose to it. Um, so you will notice that I do a lot of physical work mm. when, you, when you're warming up. Um, and that's only because I, I did a lot of work uh, with um, a, a fantastic choral director called Rodney Eichenberger. Um, he's from the States. Yep. And I did a lot of work with him because his main um, intent was always what they, what they see is what you'll get. Mm -mm. Right, so everything yes. you do with your gesture and everything that they gesture will help with the sound. So if I, I want a taller R sound, all I, I don't say to the boys, oh, come on, guys, I need a tall R, you know, lift your blah, 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 all that. Mm. They don't care. So all I say is, guys, just do this and sing your R. And miraculously, the R becomes much taller. There's more space and so on. Mm -hmm. So physically... So whatever you can do through non-verbals... Correct. To achieve Absolutely. That. Because at the end of the day, conducting is also a non-verbal art. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, you rehearse that. You set up, um, you know, if, if during a, a performance, I'm hearing, I can give them direct feedback... I'm conducting and I'm hearing, oh, that R sounds a little bit close. If I do this, they will immediately associate that and it will immediately open up. Mm. So I'm, I'm really fascinated by that and I think it's, it's um, I, I love that side of of. of oh, I, I get my complete choir note on when I actually think about how I'm going to articulate like breaths in the middle of a beat or whatever or all of that kind of stuff. Because yeah, we don't have the option for words during performance. So no, we, we have absolutely. To uh, every, everything, I mean, it's a, another Rodney Eichenberger thing where, you know, you're conducting from here because that's your power source. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times you see conductors waving and up there up here, and anxious. so yeah. your singers will breathe from up here and become really anxious and you get a really tight sound mm. so you bring it down here which is your power source and mm. power center and you'll get that really strong sound that, that and just bringing this full circle back to the the hips exercise with the uh, yes that's right <laughs> again alphabet. that's the purpose yeah. of it yeah, yeah, to yeah. again find your center yeah. and that's basically the purpose of that that exercise yeah. as well which is, um, beautiful fun. so we've talked about connection yep. we've talked connection, about less talking less more talking. singing mm -hmm. any other objectives um one th i i sort of label this as glimpses of excellence so mm -hmm. i think in the first rehearsal you need to let show you know, glimpses of excellence and champion that. Mm. So um, often, here's a new piece, let's sing it through. I promise I won't stop. They've got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to get the big picture. I'm terrible at that, I, but I'm working I, on it, yeah. <laughs> I love going from big picture to little picture. Yeah. So promise I won't stop. Okay, this is what we're in for. Mm. I think that's really important. Mm. Here's your roadmap, you know. Um, and then I love working backwards. Yep. So start with the last four bars. This is how we're going to finish. 
right? Because that'll give you a glimpse of the excellence we're going mm. to achieve. Mm -hmm. So if you work on the last four bars, make that <clears throat> truly awesome and yep. sound great and they feel great. Mm -hmm. So I often ask, instead of how did that sound to you, I would often ask how did that feel to you? And what's did the you difference get, between did those you get two how that for you? Feel? Because singing is a whole body experience. Right. And making music is a whole body experience, isn't it? I think singing more so mm -hmm. than in having an instrument. I would agree. Somehow, yeah. it's very innate. By, Correct. By definition. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think asking them, you know, how do you feel? Because when you create that sound, if I ask you to create that sound again, you've got to. You can draw on that feeling mm -hmm. again, um, and that's an interesting one for boys in particular, because I find they, they find it difficult to articulate that, right. you know, and, and I really want to dig a little bit deeper with, with boys, and I love that. Mm, and and mm. after a while, once you build up that relationship, they're really quite happy to just, just go there. Mm. So the, the, the signs of excellence thing, so um, I, um, what was the phrase I had? All I've got is kind of the business equivalent in my head, which was like small wins early on. Yep. Um, so particularly in those first rehearsals, yeah. I'll be looking for, okay, what's a section that I know is going to sound really awesome? Yeah. Like the, everyone's going to get goosebumps yeah. and go, oh, yes. Um, but that we can achieve in like 10 to 15 minutes or something. There's something Correct. small and compact so that, especially just before a break, uh, you know, mid-break or, or the end of the rehearsal or whatever, so that they yeah. kind of leave buzzing um, and kind of look for a couple of those within the first rehearsal to kind of set a vision for this is this is how good we can be and this absolutely. is what we're going to strive for and we're going to make all of this sound, absolutely. sound like that. Is, Ab is that the kind of thing you're... That's absolutely right. Rosina, can I just cut across to you for a second? Like the parallel here, I'm thinking of you in the, in the training room with, you know, whether you've you know, an equivalent number of people, so let's say 20 to 60 or whatever people. Um, what's the equivalent of... of small wins in your context? Yeah, well, um, everything Su Lin just said there, I'm just like, uh, she's talking about um, navigating a choir in the first, but I'm like, she's almost talking about what happens the first day of training. Um, <laughs> so um, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think, you know, the pieces, and I think this is really important in the connection between um, how, helping people have a sense of belonging and small wins are very interconnected for me. So in the training room, when you can, um, and, and we talk about it in terms of really, um, you, you called it uh, signs of excellence um, and championing in it. And that, those are exact words that I would use. Like as soon as I, as soon as in the training room, um, you know, if I've got a, um, a participant who really makes a strong connection to um, the teaching moments, I really want to highlight that. I really want to honor that in the training room and, and just ask maybe a couple of questions to get others really paying attention and listening to what this, this signs of excellence um, has actually happened in the training room. And I think when those signs of excellence happen and you can pick up on them in the training room, you actually are continuously fostering that um, connection and belonging um, all the way through. So um, that's kind of where, where I see, see um, you know, how do you, I, I think for me, it's also about um, as, as the, I love the word that you use. I mean, you're, you're a leader in the room, but you're not, um, you know, the, 
the be all and end all in the room. And so what I like around the leader is you've got to be able to pay attention and to facilitate those signs of excellence. And Sulin, that's exactly what I, I think you're saying. My job is to facilitate those excellence. The excellence uh, and will come out in the room, but it's how I pay attention to them. It's how I bring them out. It's how I um, showcase that. Uh, to really give the bigger vision. Rosina, when you um, when you go into do a, like a five day advanced training, for example, um, well, actually, no, let, let's take let's take maybe an introductory training where like yeah. you're introducing a whole heap of new concepts, right? And I, I'm mm -hmm. the parallel here I'm drawing is like we've got a new piece of music, you know, like they've mm -hmm. never seen this. Um, and some of those concepts, I've kind of witnessed it happen. People are like, "Are you are you kidding me? What? That's that's not what we've learned. Like, how does this work?" And you've kind of got to do this whole mental flip for like, this is how we should be looking at this situation. So when we talk about small, um, sorry, when we talk about early wins, how? What's my question here? How do you do you have goals for? understanding the like some parts of the new philosophy you go okay if i can get this in early then that's got to set us up really well so that i've got a good relationship and we can build on that for the next two to five days yeah so i think you know this goes back to being um you know it how do i explain this to you it's almost about being very purposeful in everything that i'm saying in the training room that it actually connects everything back to um, the topic or the area I'm trying to help uncover um, from the participants in the room. So, um, and what I, you know, going, going really clearly to your question, it's um, you, you will see in the room very quickly, those who are like the early light bulbs are going off. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm, what I'm looking for is where are the early light bulbs going off in terms of why this is different and how this is helpful to families and how do I capitalize on that in the training room? Because what I know for sure is peer-to-peer -peer learning is way more mm -hmm. uh, valuable than um, uh, a two-day training I'm going to put off. And what I mean by that is peers will be able to teach others ongoing and I will be um, just a pebble um, in their learning experience. Um, so when I can find peers that can, um, who are the early light bulbs who can get it, then I want them, um, I wanna hand over the facilitation very quickly to them. So in the small group exercises, I want to highlight them um, in terms of maybe facilitating um, the learning. Mm. Mm. You've already seen the early light bulbs go off and, or the signs of excellence as Sulin um, identified. That makes a lot of sense. So many places mm. we could go to this. Mm. And kind of, we're talking about kind of uh, building a culture at this point. I mean, you've got a, a long game to play. So do we, I guess. Mm. But you've got a long game to play with with the training, which is part of a broader implementation and kind of getting the, yeah, the earlier adopt, early adopters in. Raymond, from everything you've heard so far, what are the what are the parallels when you think about the leadership roles you've been in um, in various jobs throughout your career? What are the parallels that you're that you're seeing between, um, I guess, particularly Sue Lin's work in with, with uh, conducting choirs and and your first day maybe in a new whether it's you know first day in a new company, first day leading a new team? Um, what are the parallels there that you're seeing? 
when we were just getting to know each other, when the, all the technical background, technical things were being set up, we talked about the commonality across all organisations of people mm. and money and uh, the language that both of you used I could just pick up and put in the corporate world because mm. it's about people really in this mm. sense. You know some of the words that you, before I address your question specifically I'll just pick up some of the things, some of the words that Sue Lin used and Rosina used, uh, you know, I was, I was chuffed to hear <laughs> on first meeting a you know, the, the first meeting of an orchestra, um, a choir group using the word strategy and operational. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Take a lot of boxes there. <laughs> strategy and operational in a choir group. That's interesting. And, you know, um, and then I thought, you know, trying to get the boys because your cohort that you're working, trying to bring with you are young. Mm -hmm. So hang off your every word. Now, in my domain, where you've got a cross-section of ages from first-time school leavers, first-degree qualified, right up through um, the old and crusty who've been there, done that, they don't hang off your every word. You have to earn that. So it's a, I always describe as the normal distribution curve that you have through people, people who are on board straight away and want you to succeed, others who will wait for to be convinced how good you are as a leader and others who will look for you to fail. You know, it's just the character, you know. Sometimes you can bring those around, but you see the whole cross-section. Um, that one-on-one -on -one is is pretty much there. We're talking about the greeting at the door? Yeah, just building a rapport with each, each person. You, they need to be heard. Often when you walk into a new organisation, you find people are bursting to meet the CEO and to talk to them, the people who are in charge, because they want to be heard. There are things that they believe can be done better, you know, and they want to be heard, and you've got to give them that time. Um, and certainly you talked about do, do more, talk less. My analogy, my equivalent to that is I always go in and I listen a whole lot more than I talk. Mm -hmm. I learn a lot more from all and it you know when you're going into a new role it starts from recruitment so if I'm being recruited in the CEO I've done my homework I've done my homework on what's publicly available I've, I've run my network I've know who the people are on the board I know their backgrounds uh, I've looked at the financials etc I formed a preliminary view and then I go in and I'm really listening to what it is that... Because an interview is two-way. They're not only assessing candidates, but I'm assessing them. What is this, you know, how do they work? How do, are, are they polite, cordial, respectful people? Because that's how I operate and I can't work with people otherwise. Um, and uh, what is it that they want to achieve? You know, how does that organisation fit within the context of their industry? Are they well respected? Are they doing well? And that's, that's at the board and the external level before you even go into the organisation and understand each person's uh, role and responsibility in there. So. Raymond, you talked about like the, the old and crusty, don't hang off your every word, like, like mm. maybe um, you know, Sulin's most enthusiastic 15-year-olds um, mm. might. Um, and you said you have to earn that yes. with, with them. How, you know, on that first day, how is it that you go about planting you know, like the, a first good step so that you can have the best chance of succeeding and earning that as soon as possible? Well, one of the things I say into every new role I walk into is uh, I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn from you. Um, I think most mature people in the workforce would understand that uh, good leaders who walk in don't have all the answers. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a culmination of collective knowledge. 
your 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 role is to really to lead and bring all that knowledge together. Certainly, you are not going to walk into the room without a lot of um, depth to, and that's why presumably you've been recruited. You've got a lot of experience to bring. If you if you picture uh, the most kind of uh, I'm going to use the phrase because we all know what it is now, old and crusty kind of person when you walk into a new organisation. Let's let's call them John. Uh, and I use that term in jest. Yeah. <laughs> in jest, yes. Some would say I'm old and crusty. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's call that person John. I mean, and, and if you think back in your career about the person that was most difficult for you to kind of win over in that regard, what would that person John say was the thing that you did that most helped them go... Yeah, okay, Raymond, he's a good bloke. All right, I'm going to go with him. It's, it's probably not one thing, but... Of course there are many. But, 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 but giving talk? them time. So one of the thing, first things I do is once I'm in, if, if I'm in a new role, that very first meeting with the whole of team is, is to go, go through and make it clear to them that I'm, I'm here to listen first. I know that I've heard various things, people... Uh, the senior leadership have put you into that role, the board, etc., have put you in that role, have formed views about how well that organised. So you could be going into an organisation and you be maybe replacing someone who's had long tenure, has achieved great things and you have big shoes to fill and they don't feel that they want to be let down by a newcomer who doesn't have as good as what the person leaving or the place might have been a mess. So the first thing that I say to people is um, I give them the first thing they want to know is who are you, you know? All they've heard is from what the outgoing CEO or the board has told them about your CV. You want to personalise that. You want to be able to, in an absolutely genuine way, explain who you are, just like we did today. I'm a dog lover. I've got three kids. I'm a dad, just like you, you know? I'm a family guy. Mm. Um, I have good values, I'm honest, and you can say all those things, you're honest, truthful, you like to help people, but reality is, it's, it's how you behave. It's absolutely mm. how you behave and how you interact with everybody. So getting the people to understand who you are first, what drives you, what's, and I don't mean drive, drive can be, you know, outcomes focus, push, push. In the corporate world, there's a lot of that aggression. Mm. There's a lot of written, a lot of things written about people going into senior leadership roles being almost almost having the tendencies of sociopaths, being, you know, not empathising with people, very focused on outcomes, etc. Sounds like what you're saying yeah. is focus more on relationship. Absolutely. Early, Making sure that days. people understand you yeah. uh, and that you will give every single member of that leadership uh, team as much time one-on-one -on -one as they need mm. and as they want to get to know you and for me to get to know them. Mm, what's what, you know, I always, I always start off by saying to these people, the number one question is, aside from getting to know them as I've exposed myself to them, is, is saying to them, well, you've been here for X number of years, you tell me what you really like about this place. I always start off with what works really well. What do you want to see us do much more of? that we may not be doing enough, but we do really well. And what do you think we should stop doing and improve? You know, what's really bad, you know? It's and, interesting, and I, I think this is the thing for a whole other mm. episode, is what's the, the difference in uh, leadership styles, I guess, between what they're kind of asking for, you know, what do you want? What do you want to achieve? What do you think needs to happen? Whereas when we get up in front of a choir, normally we come with a plan. And there's not a lot of back and forth in terms of, like we, we talk to 
choruses after rehearsal and you know people will ask questions if they need to clarify something or whatever but for the most part we're bringing a pretty self-formed plan and I, I I actually don't want to go into it right now but I but yeah. I would be fascinated to talk about to what extent is that or should that happen because um, there's, there's always that balance between leading with strong vision and just going 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 and being open to feedback and giving people ownership and it, it's there's whole kind of stuff to absolutely there. that that example that i saw where you said when i walked into what i moved from the corporate arena and i took my first not-for-profit role mm. and the board recruited me on the basis they knew i had no not-for-profit experience i had never worked in the disability sector mm. but they knew my experience with people with big teams with strategy development operation they knew and uh, me understanding the finances they knew mm. i had the essence to work with these people and maybe they got something from the interview um, but that's, that's, that's pretty much it because uh, when you move into a new sector like that, yes, you, you, want, you want, certainly in what I've done, you want the elements and you want the belief that you can get to a meaningful position and use resources well, deploy resources well and have people work and have, have people who in your team and the people you serve have happy lives mm. at the end of the day, whether it's music mm. or social work. It's about mm. happy, happy lives, mm. about coming to work. And, and, and so um, listening to, to what... You, you may not agree on everything they say. That's up to you. And I and, and I they always, feel like they've been heard. Absolutely. And I may, may disagree with that. Yeah. But I'll be honest and I'll be constructive mm. and I want, you know, mm. in the way I deliver that. Yeah. But I also say to people on first meeting... I'd like you to be as honest as you feel you can be with me, given I'm the new CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, there, you may not yet. I may not have yet, yet earned your trust. I, you know, I completely accept that. I'm prepared to put the time in to do that, and I'll prove to you who I am by what are my actions, not just my words. Mm -hmm. So you just watch what I say and do, and and I'll always deliver on what I say to you. Mm -hmm. So you know that's. That's how I approach it. Yeah, absolutely. Very noble. Um, Rosina, again, coming back to the training room example there, um, what Raymond just said about, you know, I'd like you to be, you know, as, as open and honest with me as you feel that you can, you know, and obviously you're walking into sometimes big change scenarios, you know. Um, how do you go about dealing with that and, and getting, I guess, the room on side with you um, on, that, on that first day? Um, you know, if I could, I'd like to pick up because there, there's some really good interconnections between how Su Lin um, started off this conversation today, what I do in the training room and actually what Raymond just um, described there in terms of rocking up and working with senior leaders. Mm, go for um, it. And I think and when I think um, Su Lin, the, the words you wrote down is how do I um, from the beginning, from the immediate um let people know that I see you. Your words were, I see you. And, and, you know, when you've got those, that choir coming in, those boys coming in for the first time, how do you let them know that, that you see them? Um, and what you said is, is kind of that parallel between, you know, um, I need to show myself in order to enable them to be uh, comfortable saying, I see like that, that they will show themselves. So, um, I think, you know, for me in the training room, um, 
couple of things that I've learned, and I don't think I've always done this well over time, but what I'm learning over time is how to do it differently and how to do it better. And I think, you know, some of the key things now when we're working with whole system and not a public training that we're doing in a whole system implementation, if I'm, um, if this is a two day training for the, or a five day training, what can, what are the small things that I can do before people get in the training room to share a little bit about myself for them to get to know what they're coming into? Um, some of the things Sulin said as well are, are very, very similar. Like, um, how do I get them excited? How do I use my already uh, established connections in the organization to get the new participants coming in, excited to come into training with me, mm. um, excited of, of learning and, and a participatory process over like the two day or five day or whatever it is that I'm doing with them in training. Because I think what you do before the training influences the beginning of the training. And I think, you know, some of the really important things that allow people to, um, bring themselves into the room, not their professional selves, but their whole selves into the training room, because that's what we're going for, a whole person, um, is is doing the small things. Like I always make sure I'm the first person in that training room. Um, I always make sure that the first person that they see coming in is me or my, and my co-facilitator. Um, I make sure I always go get coffee with them. And I always make a comment around, what do we got today, guys? Good coffee, bad coffee. Cause um, you know, <laughs> it really de it depends. Um, and you know, just, just taking the, the moments in the morning to greet people. Um, and, you know, in my world, even though it's a large country that I work in, um, our social work community is actually quite small. And I, I suspect in, in the music community, you can find connections very quickly around who knows who, um, as we saw earlier with, with Raymond's daughter and, and Sue Lin actually working in the same. So that's the other thing that I really look for in terms of, um, helping people feel seen or heard um, is can, do they know people I know and how do we, how do we um, get to know each other on that basis? Mm. So, No, I love it. I, I love the, um, you talked about being the first one in the room. I think that's a great segue to, well, let me rewind. So we, we've talked about, I think a lot about connection and relationship building and how important that is um, the first time that, well, that, that you're working with a new a new group of people. However, it is you go about building that connection relationship. Um, but on the other side of the coin, there's also okay. I'm the one up the front here, whether that's physically or, or metaphorically or whatever. And kind of at, at some point, I have to kind of step into that authority space, and I need to do to respect that where I'm going to be pushing on some stuff here. Um, and there's a guy called Oren Claff. He wrote a book called Pitch Anything, um, and he talks about how in any interaction there's a um, a, a frame, um, and there's one person that controls the frame, and there's one person who their frame gets smashed. Um, by the person who controls the frame. And as conductors, for example, I think we come in with um, some kind of default um, and, and trainers and, and CEO titles and stuff. You come in with a bit of default authority. Mm -hmm. um, people know that you're the conductor, so they respect that. But hey, we've all been in a school classroom <laughs> where things get out of hand or, or choir rehearsals or trainings or meetings or whatever. And, and you've got to find a way to control the frame again and get people get people back on track. So kind of to the floor, what are some of the best, this might not be specific enough, I'll, I'll go around one at a time. So Raymond, 
No, you're hard. I'm going to come back to you. <laughs> Give me some time to think about that one. How am I that time? <laughs> you're welcome. Um, Rosina, when you're, when you're up the front, you know, with, um, you know, up the front of a training room, how do you go about kind of establishing and, and controlling and, and establishing that you are in control of, of that frame? I think this happens a lot in training room where, um, and, and it, it's, it, you have to be, um, this is where strategy comes in again, Raymond, um, yeah. around, you have to be really strategic around, and this will happen. Someone will go off into a tangent that has nothing to do. Um, and they're just, they, they are trying to be, to be heard, to be seen about things that are important to them. Mm. Um, the, for me, it's always, how am I, is any of this connected to the purpose of this training? <laughs> and, and can I, can I move them back to honoring, um, what little, even if there's a little piece that's connected to the training, I want to honor their, their connection to the purpose of why we're in the room. Um, but I, I'm wanting to, to bring it back to me. Um, and, and I, I needed to bring it back to me because then I'm going to restate the purpose of the training again, or find some ways to really connect it back to why we're in this room for two days, five days together. What, what is it that we're trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's really important because I think you, you, you start with purpose, you end with purpose. And so I start the training with, this is what we're going to do together. And this is why we're doing it together. And this is why I've been asked to come here. Um, and I think that sets to the stage. And, and do I have agreement from all the participants that this is what they're expecting over? And hopefully I've done really good prep work. So the organization has really prepped the pur purpose as well. And, and then, so every time, you know, someone's taking over the frame that has nothing to do with the training, I've got to reclaim it, right? Mm -hmm. But I have to do so in a way that doesn't shut people down, that doesn't um, um, like shatter them a bit, like that they, that they leave feeling unheard or anything. That's why I look for what it's the smallest piece that I can honor them for or compliment them on in terms of the connection to the purpose and then refocus on the purpose. That's so that's your segue is find for yeah. whatever tiny, tiny thing it is that you can go, yes, that bit, that bit's good. I'll have that. Yes. Yeah. Honor the hell out of that. And then, yeah. and then yeah. come back and, and restate the, the more complete, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Bigger vision. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Definitely the bigger vision. Yeah, for sure. What about for you, Suleen, like the beginning of rehearsals say, well, any time in a rehearsal, but again, you know, we're at the first rehearsal. So you really want to kind of, you know, particularly I guess if this is the first time you've seen a, a, a group of boys and they go oh new teacher okay how far can we push this one um how, how do you what are your methods for okay yeah we're going to have fun but oof, you know there's the line or, or here's how I establish that this is kind of my room so to speak yeah it's a very interesting one because I'm both a conductor and a teacher mm. so I think as a teacher your default position is already an authoritative figure mm. So, you, you know, with the choirs that I work with, it's mostly uh, boys who choose to be there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, helps, should, yeah. uh, that, that really helps. <laughs> you know, they choose to be there, or it's an auditioned group, or, or, and so on. So they choose to be there. And again, for me, it's actually the other way around. It's how can I even break down this authoritative figure? And I want them to have ownership of the team 
I and want how would them you break down that. that authoritative figure? So, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. I I ask them a lot. Well, I actually say to them, "This is your choir. What do you want out of it?" Mm-hmm. I'm just here to facilitate, and mm-hmm. this is our choir mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, but it's, you've got to take ownership of it. So I'd ask them, you know, we'd finish a phrase, what do you think that was great? What, what, do, you, what do you reckon we can work on again? So the feedback comes from there, them, and so it, it starts to break down. So what you don't want to happen is have an authoritative conductor and passive chorister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they just, just tell me what to do, tell yeah. me what to do. Tell yeah. me That's what to interesting do. because <laughs> that... You know, when, when, when Adam was saying before, it's interesting thing, Sue Lynn, because when you come in as a conductor, you have a, you have a plan in your head. and you. Yeah. But what you've just said is actually mirrors exactly mm. what I've just yeah. said. Yeah, you've yeah. looked you look for exactly it, from input from the team. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, yeah. I always say, you, of course, you've got to come in with a plan. But it's the way you get there. Mm. Absolutely. Needs to be. They have to have their say. They, they have, have to have their part in it. Otherwise, yeah. it's the journey that is so important. Yeah. Um, and if we get there, great. If we don't get there, the journey mm. was fantastic mm. and we went together. So um, it sounds it like so what I heard there was the, the you, you're using a lot of questions a lot of the time to get them to think their own way into, um, well, what do I want this to be? But by you posing a question to them, that immediate, that puts you in control of the frame at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Not to mention it keeps them occupied. Absolutely. And while they're occupied, they can't be getting up to any mystery. <laughs> It's, a le- it's the leading questions, isn't yeah. it? I mean, that's, that's one of the you know, key strategies of being a teacher right. is you know, how to frame questions yeah. and how do you lead them to, co- the, to facilitate the correct answer or the, the answer that you want. Mm. I always say it's trick them into learning sort of thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you said in the staff room, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I think it's, it's really interesting because for me it's actually the other way around. It's right. breaking down. I, it also depends on the year level. So right. if I've got a middle school choir, yeah. Year sevens, years, year eights, that's a different kettle of fish. Right. Even though they've, they've opted into the choir, they're all over the place. Right, yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. so you do have to, you have to be a little bit agile with how you, what strategies you mm. use, but then also break that down as well. Mm, mm. Thank you so much for making that link. Because mm. it, was, it was as you said that, and, we're, and you were talking about questions and stuff, and I realised, so I ran my choir, Naya Chorale, back in like 2012 to 2014. And I had a certain number of influences then that influenced my conducting style. And then I went off and did another business, and I worked at Elia for three years. And at Elia, we talk about questions, 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 yep. and more questions. Um, and coming back and starting Naya again this year, I realized that questions, actually, I need to start asking more questions of them. So thank you for triggering that, um, mm. that memory. So, so, okay, so what are we going to be thinking about before we do this next run-through? Um, uh, if you could fix one thing about that last run-through, Correct. what would it have been? Um, that kind of, like getting them to, instead of, yeah, just yeah. as you said, passive, yeah, tell me what to do. Yeah. Otherwise, they're not doing, they don't have that second level strategy in their head they're just singing the notes and words absolutely. as opposed to thinking about the bigger picture absolutely so, yeah. absolutely yeah we have um we 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 talk about that lot not only in the training role but more broadly across implementation that it's way more valuable for social workers and that's my group that i'm that i usually work with that if we can ask them a question to get them to think it through on their own is way more valuable than anything that I can do with them in the training room or teach them or, you know, it's a difference between how do you um, deliver content 
And how do you help people critically think? Mm -hmm. And the critical thinking actually comes from being able to ask a person a question, get them to think about it and reflect back their answer that gets them to where they need to go in, in, you know, whatever it is that they yeah, that so they get the most, they get the most learning from doing engagement. You got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so you using that analogy that you talked about owning the frame, etc. You know, it's almost like when you when you go into a new leadership role, um, what I tend to do is to say that the people who appointed me, the board, the chair, um, there's certain things that they may have wanted me to do. Like when, when we talk in the corporate world around strategy, strategy development runs for three years because it's, it's characterised by bigger dollar spend, changing things that are not easy to change, that may take three years to deliver. So they take some time. You've got to build, put the building blocks in. And so um, I may be saying to them things like, this is what the board's asked me to do. They've asked me to develop a strategy. They, they've talked about a bunch of things over the years that they've not quite been able to get to land to implement. Uh, to implement. They're not necessarily quite sure whether they are the right things and what order they should be done. Um, and they've given me the latitude to develop my uh, knowledge of the organisation both internally and form an external view of the sector before mm -hmm. I do that. So I want to listen to them first. So in, in a broad sense, um, that's what I'm going to be doing over the next three to six months operationally because don't look for me for leadership operation because you guys run the place. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll certainly be here to help you problem help you to problem solve, not problem solve for, for you, but help you to problem solve the issues that they come forward. Um, but in so that's the basic frame that we're going to work with. How would you like the frame to be developed operationally? In other words, and I, I think that's really interesting in terms of whether or not you're um, a conductor or a person facilitating a training or, or a senior leader is, is going back to, yes, we can be the frame holder, but how tightly do we need to hold the frame? Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you, you've got to have purpose and, and, and big, big picture but I think it also comes down to you how do you how do you hold things loosely enough to make it about the journey not the outcome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think you know I don't ever want to get in that trap of oh we've got to get through this amount of content in the training room <laughs> mm -hmm. because it's got to be an experience for the participants and yes I have the big picture in terms of the content that that we need to cover over the, over the two days but I know it's going to be a journey about how we go through those two days. Mm. I'm going to try to bring structure. I'm going to try to bring discipline. Mm. But the real, the participants are going to drive a significant amount of their experience over the two mm. day or five day. I love that phrase. Uh, how tightly do we need mm. to hold the frame? That's um, yeah, yeah. You've taken that metaphor and run with it. I love it. Um, can we just go back to the top? So I think uh, maybe soon we didn't quite get to the end of your list of like objectives for a first rehearsal, for example. Could we maybe just do kind of one from everyone? So um, I think this, with Suleen, we, we talked about connection, less talking, more singing, signs of excellence. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that list? Mm, I think that probably the three things really encapsulates it, but I, I do want to add in one last little thing is, I don't know whether you've seen a, um, Benjamin Zander's um, sort of, I think it was a TED talk or something like that, but it was all about shining eyes. Right. 
And and what it is, uh, and his his well, but the first quote, ben, famous ben, Benjamin Zander quote was, "Everybody loves classical music; they just don't know it yet." <laughs> right. And I find that really fascinating. The other little thing he talks about is shining eyes, and it's all about you being impassioned. I know you were saying, uh, Raymond, about you know not everybody can be impassioned, but if you're not excited and interested in what you're doing, how can your choristers be mm. or how can your students be? Do you know what I mean? So um, you've got to have that, that, the shining eyes mm -hmm. and that's where they will see the, the excitement and the passion that you have. And I always say, I'm so excited to be here to be singing with you. So even if you're not ramming it down their throat, which is you were saying you've got to find that balance, you're saying yeah. um, model for them. Model, absolutely. Yeah. Role modelling is key for Yeah, the, absolutely. For I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That professionalism that you bring to the room and absolutely. all those sort of things. Yeah, you know, if you, if you get cross at people who don't turn up on time, but you don't start your rehearsals on time, then what's the point of that, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, so you know, I always say downbeats at 7 o'clock. Yeah. So be there. I, I don't care if there's two people there. I'm starting at 7 o'clock. Yeah, um, and it, it's, again, it's a setting up expectations and setting up a culture as well. And, you know, after two, three rehearsals, they're all there before 7 o'clock or, or, you know, whatever. And, and things like, you know, setting up as well, you know, be the person, you know, to set up first and after about two rehearsals, the boys are setting up mm. because they've got, I've got ownership. This is my, mm. my group. Yeah. So, you know, Mrs. Jong's setting up, so I'm going to do that too. Mm. So it's about setting up expectations as well. Yeah. 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 Love it. Shining eyes. Rosina, for you, any other kind of objectives for, you know, first day? And for you, it could be the training room. It could be, you know, if you're um, working, going into work with a, a new leadership team. Um, Objectives that that you might want to leave us with. Oh, I think Sue Lynn just covered it so nicely, um, and everything you said, Sue Lynn. I just want to say I really appreciate it because all of what you said in terms of the setup um, in how you uh, lead as a conductor just totally resonated for me as um, someone facilitating groups or facilitating the the first. Um, I think for me, and I, you know, you'll hear me say this word, it's always coming back to the common purpose of our working relationship. So that first for me is always setting that up really well um, and taking the time to really in, in the first, whether or not, especially with senior leaders, is to really what is the work that we're undertaking together? Um, why, why is this important to both of us for me as a trainer and a consultant? And why is it important for you as a leader of the organization? Why is it important for you as the practitioner who um, delivers services to children and families? Um, so for me, the first is always about um, purpose. And, and if I could use the other word, vision. Uh, Sulin, you, you said it. It's around giving them a vision for the, you know, the, the last four bars. I always go in with the vision for the practice and uh, get, getting a very clear practice example of this is, this is what we want children and families to experience. Or maybe it's a, an interview or feedback from a family who've been on the receiving end to give us feedback around what, what we did and how it made a difference for them. Um, I may start with that because that's where we, we want to get, get to. Just for context, uh, I guess, particularly for viewers who aren't familiar with child protection, when you talk about practice, you're talking about the work that 
social workers on the front line, yep. their interactions with, with children and families. You got it. Yeah. Sorry, Adam. Yeah, that's no, the context of my world. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. yeah. So giving them a vision for what their practice could look like. Um, and that, and making that around who, who wants that, <laughs> who is getting excited about that and uh, what would be better for children and families if we could do the work in that way. So that grounds the purpose and the vision. Purpose and vision. And love it. Purpose. Yeah. Raymond, um, you talked about, um, you know, coming, you know, going in with the, you know, them understanding that I'm, I'm here to learn, um, and the, the philosophy of, you know, listen more than I talk. Um, what are the other ob objectives that that uh, that you've got in your head when you're working, new team, new company. My top three goals are what one is to as much as best I can communicate who I am and my experience and my background. Provide people with information about me because mm -hmm. often if you're working in a senior leadership group, you're the only one in the team that is new to the team. Everybody else knows each other. So they do want to know yeah, about yeah. you. You know, they do want to know about you. You don't want to labour the point. It's not all, as my wife often says to me, it's not always about you, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Partners are great wives. <laughs> um, so I, I, I do want to do that, but but I also it's it may be simplistic. I don't want to do a lot on the first day. I right. want to explain to them as I, as I have done, um, how the board's recruited me, what they've asked of me, uh, what time frame I've, I've given to them around change and possible strategy development mm -hmm. and a new direction if that's called for or some other big changes for the organisation, but I'm not going to embark on that until I have everybody's input. So the main thing I say to them is I, I paint them, I tell them about me, I tell them what the board's asked of me, mm -hmm. and then I tell them that I really want to get to know them. I want to know every ins and outs about what they think about the organisation, both internally and, and externally. And also today to them, I will also go outside and uh, converse you know, with people outside the sector. Mm. other competitors, other people working in the sector to ask them what they think of the organisation. That organisation at the time I joined was 60 years old. You know? right. yeah. So it had a, yeah. it had a big history. history. Yeah. And like every organisation, it has its ups and downs. Some things go well and some things go... So I always say when you walk into an institution like that, you are simply trying to get there and hand it off in a better position than you picked it up. I know that's almost a cliche, people say that. But first thing you want to do is you don't want to do any damage and you want to do something better. And when you do something better, you want the majority of the people who you're focusing on to believe better has been achieved and it's not just a sales job, you know. It is genuine. And you can point to some measures that, that are... Yeah, they're demonstrably better. Mm. So, on the first day, not a, not a, you know, it's so not an overly know. complicated thing. Yeah. So yeah. It's very, pretty very chilled, personal. But who I am, background, experience, a little bit about that, and then the context for why and how you're here, yeah. and what the board is kind of asking of you. Yeah. But you're going to kind of gather a whole heap of information. Yeah. And that kind of leads to point three, which is okay. I want to know about you. What do you think? Where do you think we need to yeah. be going? What's the history yeah. of this organisation? Yeah. But, I, but I also try to make sure that they understand that. Whilst we all have day jobs, we all have evening jobs, and we all have families, <laughs> etc. And it's 
yes, it's delivering outcomes for kids and families and social work or educating them on their journey, but it's also about the people who are delivering that service, you know, about the team, making sure they have a great quality of life and they're happy coming to work and they're listened to and valued, you know, all those important things as well. So, you know, you don't get the outcomes until the people who who provide those services feeling good in themselves. You know, if they're feeling disenfranchised, yeah. not gonna to work too long. That's a whole heap of like yeah. unraveling that's gonna start. Yeah, correct. So <laughs> <That's laughs> <right. laughs> I mean, God knows I've been part of some choirs where the culture just kind of like eats itself from the inside out. You know, it happens, it happens at all levels of organizations. Um, Absolutely. Okay. I think as a, as a wrap up, um, I'm loving what we've talked about um, this evening. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for, thank you for joining me on this. Um, Let's just take a couple of minutes. We'll kind of cut back afterwards. Yeah. But um, just have a think about from for you and I, Sue Lin, kind of looking to the corporate side, mm-hmm. uh, what are our biggest takeaways from what Raymond and, mm-hmm. and Rosina have, have said? And Rosina and Raymond, for you, um, you know, what is it from, from the, the music world perspective that you're going, oh, okay, that's new. I think I could inject that possibly over here, that kind of thing. Um, and we'll just um, mm-hmm. wrap up that way. All right, any brave volunteers who'd like to go first and, and share their, um, their um, biggest learnings from, from the other side of the fence, so to speak? I'm happy to. Raymond. I, I, don't, I don't know whether I would characterise them as biggest learnings, but um, perhaps not surprised that there's a lot of... There's enormous commonality, mm. no matter what field of work that you're involved in, mm. social work... And, music, etc. I guess many of the words, some notes that I've written down here are from Sue Lin. Um, not that doesn't reflect in any way on Rosina, it's because Sue Lin went first. And <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but there's a lot of things there around, around strategy and operation. But I think sometimes you use those words differently than where we may use them in the corporate arena. Um, what was interesting about for you about how Su Lin used those words? Um, well, what I interpreted Su Lin meant when she said strategy is that she may have had, a, if she used another term, roadmap as to where she wanted mm. this piece of music to go with the kids' involvement. And she might have that, but operationally she doesn't know how that's going to be delivered because it depends who's in the room and how well they respond and how well she does her mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So that's what I took. That issue about working one-on-one with people and building a rapport one-on-one, whether it's a student or a member of your team, you know, being heard, feeling, making sure that they have a sense of feeling valued, genuinely being valued, um, doing a listening, doing a lot of listening and not talking. Um, I think Rosanna said, um, or was it you, Selena said about doing and not talking so much. Um, some other things that were mentioned was, you know, destination. I talk about outcomes-based, knowing where you're going, what, what determines success, what that sounds like, what that looks like, how it's measured, you know. Are the kids doing well or is it more important that the family does well or the mum and dad does well or is it the child, you know. So, um, Adam, you mentioned quick wins. That's pretty much how we manage things in corporate change as well. Things that are 
exceedingly obvious and easy. We talk about things that are easy, don't cost a lot, get you a lot of gain, do those first mm -hmm. because that, uh, that emboldens people because they feel, well, that wasn't too hard. Beautiful. I'll leave uh, something yeah. for Sue Lin. Um, what I heard a lot about was relationships, relationship, relationships, really. Um, it's, and it's, we are in a, education is a, a, a people business, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, and, and choir, that is all about people. So I think that's a, a big connection between um, our three worlds. Um, is relationship, listening first, like you said already. Um, I want to touch, go back to a little bit about the, how I talked about the des destination um, and the journey and so on. It's interesting that I, I, I do harp on, oh, you know, the journey's really important, doesn't matter what the destination is or what the end product is. It actually does matter what the end product is, doesn't it? <laughs> we do kind you, of you care know, yeah, what actually, goes in front of the yeah. audience. <laughs> yeah, it matters a lot. So it actually does matter a lot. So, Shareholders so, do care, it turns out, <laughs> how much profit yeah. you made. <laughs> so I'd like to retract that statement, if I may. <laughs> um, but I, I think... It, it does matter because it is the product of our collective journey, isn't it? Our collective um, hard work. You know, if that falls apart completely, um, and, and again, it comes back to this um, fear of failure thing as well. And that's, a, that's another episode altogether, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, yeah, how do we manage that? You know, and, and yes, there is a lot of content. At the end of the day, we have to learn all the, we need to know the notes, we need to know the, so there is that urgency to learn the content. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested in that and, and rethinking critically about that. Um, so there's that, and I really liked what um, Rosanna said about facilitate being a facilitator of excellence. Um, I think that is, I like that, that, that way of thinking about it. You're shining a light on the excellence mm. whenever you see it and mm. whenever you, and paying attention to mm. it. So those are some of the key learnings I've taken from that. And I find it really fascinating, although I shouldn't be surprised, um, but there, there, are, there are so many parallels between the, the three worlds of corporate and choir um, and training world as mm. well. So. Mm. Yeah, I've been. It's been a really, really great conversation, Adam. So I really mm. enjoyed Thanks that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. For I'm having. such a culprit for that um, endless criticism kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I I was in rehearsal last week, and uh, and I actually just wanted to pay a surprise a compliment, which is something I don't do yeah. nearly enough. And I was like, surprise! I loved hated blah 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 blah. And then I turned the page. I was like, oh bugger, but they screwed up the beginning. Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> However, <laughs> and Graham, one of the one of our kind of long-standing members, he goes, he give with one hand, and, and he did. <laughs> I was like, yes, accurate. We just can't help it. We, <laughs> we can't, can't just it. stop. That was great. Stop. Something for me to work on. <laughs> uh, Rosina, for you, what what were the what were the um, major learnings? <laughs> what were the thank you? What were the major learnings for you from from the music side of the fence? Um, so a couple of things from the uh, musical side of the fence and I'll, um, so Sue Lynn, the, the big thing, and you asked her biggest learning, so I, I stuck to the biggest learnings, although I have a, a full page of lots of learnings, was how, and um, Sue Lynn talked about it with um, creating the culture of a distributed responsibility for the choir. That if, if, if there's not a shared ownership within the choir, you're not going to make beautiful music. 
Um, and that was a, that we call that aspiring to distributed leadership, but I really liked, cause it really makes sense to me is how do we create more, um, ways of distributed responsibility if it's in the training room or in the organizations I'm working with, or with it, with even within um, our own organization, um, how do we get the collective responsibility? Because when you have the collective responsibility, I'm imagining the different sounds that that can bring Um, and the difference between a choir that doesn't have a collective responsibility and ownership for themselves versus the choir that does have that. Uh, I be, you know, it just was just a beautiful um, thing that I, I want to take more around, think more about. Um, and Adam, for I really um, hung on to that um, picture frame um, analogy, uh, as you could tell, um, because I, you know, I think I could see very clearly as a conductor of a choir, you are holding the picture frame. And what, what I heard from you both is, but we've, we've got to go a ways with, you know, if we hold on to the picture frame too tightly and this is the sound that we're going for and this is what we need to do, you may lose the opportunity to hear a different way or a different perspective. Or um, So I think that's really important that I want to um, lean into in terms of um, the things that I got from you guys. And then... Um, the last thing around the corporate world and um, Raymond, I think, so I had to go to my bookshelf when you were talking. Cause I'm like, where's that book? Where's that book? Um, Cause Raymond, what I really took up everything that you said, even when you talked about strategy um, and outcomes, you always came back to one particular thing. And that was the investment in the people, the investment in the people. Um, And what I really, really um, took from that, and I don't know if it's new learning or just really, it's something that I've learned that I need to completely come back to all the time. Um, And I read this book, and I just, a long time ago, uh, about leaders and leadership. And it's a Joel Mamby book. And he was actually on that TV show, Undercover Boss. Like, I think he was... Um, and so it's so weird that I would even read a book um, in that way. But it, his book title is called Love Works. And what what the book talks about is exactly what Raymond focused in on today is if you invest in your people and if you care about them, genuinely care about them, and they can feel you genuinely care about them, they will actually do the things that need to be done. They will actually create the kinds of organizations, the kinds of change, the kinds of things that really are meaningful and beneficial to the larger whole. Um, And so that was really um, something that um, I wanted to take back with me about what Raymond shared, to to never forget that the more we invest in our people, and I think that resonated for me because I know that the more that leaders of child protection organizations invest in their practitioners, the more the more those practitioners will invest in the families that they're working with. Yeah. 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 No, thank you for that, Rosina. I mean, I'll riff off that for mine, actually. Um, I think your words, Raymond, were, you know, I, I want to know about, I want to know about you and, and, and you know, about you know, them, the people. Um, 
but but also that there is this other life outside of the job as well and, and then different people have different ratios of the job versus the rest of their life some people it's everything some people it's just a the thing they do the thing they do the thing fine and they take the paycheck and they've got you know they they get meaning from life possibly elsewhere and and it's a big thing i've been wrestling with over the last several years actually is trying to figure out how you get as much of meaning in this thing that you spend 40 hours or, or more a week doing um, and how do you how do you cater for both uh, kinds of people the people that are, that are just there to do the thing and 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 the people for whom this is everything um, and I'm not quite sure what that means for choirs yet I, mean, I think we're incredibly lucky in that, especially for you and I the choirs that we uh, lead it's basically because they want to be there. Um, so you know, you've got a whole heap of motivation right there. Like if, if we can't do anything with that, well, we may as well go home. So, and then the other thing, uh, Rosina, you said about, uh, I guess, extending the frame metaphor, you know, how tightly do we need to hold the frame? Um, I'm going to be giving that a lot of thought. Um, yeah, no, and the, the interesting thing about getting, investing, getting to know people, the answer to that is there is no answer because it's a it's a one on one thing. Mm -hmm. You know there will be some leaders who will say to you, uh, "Your life outside of here has got nothing to do with me." Mm -hmm. When you walk in the door, you work. You know, uh, and there's only half. Well, I don't subscribe to that mm -hmm. view. Yeah. But then it's a fine line between not being too invasive of people's mm -hmm. privacy, mm -hmm. and you've got to read that as well. And some people, and that will soon tell you whether they want to talk about their dog and their kids, and, and most people do. Mm. Unless there's something deep, dark there that they won't want to talk about, well, they'll tell you they don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine, you know. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, that's my personal preference, a whole person rather than part person. Mm. Absolutely. You know? All right, well, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you all. Um, if, if people want to get in contact with any of you about your various uh, bits of work, consulting, etc., Raymond, where can they find you? Overland Consulting, or one word, dot com dot au. That's Overland with a D at the end. Overland yeah. Consulting dot com dot au. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Rosina, for you. I can be reached at uh, ilia.ngo, and if you go to the Teams page, you will find all my contact information there, and I'd love to hear from people. You can reach me on LinkedIn if you want. You can search me there. Um, Facebook, if you like, um, email me, 47nylus, 47nylus. Is that nylus 47 or 47nylus? 47nylus. Nylus, N-Y-L-U-S. N-Y-L-U-S, you see what I did there? It's no. backwards for Cillian. Oh! <laughs> you learn something new every day. 47nylus. 47nylus. At gmail? At gmail.com. Wunderbar. Yes. Wunderbar. Alrighty. Uh, I haven't figured out how I'm going to get people to contact me, so I'll deal with that one later. Um, it'll be in the notes below the video anyway, or it'll be a lower third or something. Thank you so much for joining us all. I look forward to the next one with whoever it is I'm talking with, but this has been fantastic. Thank Pleasure. you so much for being here with Thanks me. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for coming up with the idea, Anna. A lot of fun. That was great. Cheers. Thank you.